section ten of other people's lives this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. other people's lives by rosa nuchette carey book four a woman's faith chapter one a stranger at the hen and chickens there was a small inn on the brentwood road that was known by the name of the hen and chickens where weary wayfarers toiling up the long brentwood road on their way to sandylands and great ditton could obtain refreshment for man and beast it was kept by a buxom widow joan marple had been a sandylands woman she was cousin once removed to bessie martin and there was a strong friendship between them joan always spoke of herself and bessie as two lone widow women but she was careful not to state this fact in bessie's hearing they do tell that most of us have a bee in our bonnet she would say to one of her cronies but dear heart bessie's craze about poor will beats everything five years last michaelmas since she saw the last of him don't i remember the very day for it was when my poor peter took his turn for the worst and a fortnight later i buried him the hen and chickens was a very unpretentious place it had originally consisted of two cottages but peter marple had thrown them into one the thatched roof and small windows smothered in creepers gave it a picturesque appearance and in winter when the lamplight shone through the closely drawn red curtains no passer-by could resist stepping into the snug bar for a draught of the excellent ale or some mulled elder wine brewed by joan herself the surroundings of the hen and chickens were very pleasant there was a small green where joan's geese and poultry were generally to be seen and a horse trough worn with age placed invitingly under the shade of two fine elms there was no other cottage in sight but joan never found her life lonely she had two helpers an irish wench bridget by name who was maid of all work and a red-headed ostler pete who was joan's factotum and jack of all trades these with a half-blind collie who rejoiced in the name of methuselah comprised the household of the hen and chickens it had been a busy day for since early morning there had been a constant stream of customers the sale of some farm stock at great ditton owing to the death of its owner had kept both the brentwood and sandilands inns well filled a wet evening had set in and joan who was tired and wanted to reckon up her profits had just seated herself by her bright little fire over which a rasher or two of ham was spluttering and hissing 
while some new-laid eggs on the round table were pleasantly suggestive of further cooking when the sound of a slow dragging footstep on the threshold made her look up with a slight frown while methuselah roused from a refreshing nap growled aggressively the stranger who had entered the hen and chickens had a forlorn and unprepossessing aspect in joan's eyes he looked like a foreigner and joan marple abhorred foreigners whom she classed under the name of mounseers or mountebanks he wore a heavy cloak over one shoulder and had an oddly peaked cap drawn over his forehead for all the world like guy fawkes or an escaped convict as she observed afterwards while an untrimmed beard and some ragged mustachios gave him a fierce air you are too late for the hen and chickens master observed joan curtly for she made her own rules and regulations pete is just going to shut up so you had better make tracks for the fox and hounds at sandilands it is not much over a mile and the road is straight but the stranger shook his head at this my strength is gone he said in a tired voice and i could not manage a hundred yards it is pouring cats and dogs too look here mistress holding up the wet folds of his cloak for pity's sake let me have a little rest and food and here he looked hungrily at the frizzling ham i am no beggar but only a miserable god-forsaken wretch and i can pay you and here he held out a thin hand with some loose silver in it joan marple hesitated she was a kind-hearted creature and the veriest tramp could get round her if he only whined long enough the man looked down on his luck there was no doubt about that and the rain was beating against the windows it was a good mile to the fox and hounds and very likely they would have shut up and then she caught sight of a pinned-up coat-sleeve under the disguising cloak and she grew still more pitiful then methuselah who had left off growling was snuffing round the stranger in rather a friendly fashion and methuselah could be trusted for he hated tramps and considered them as his natural enemies well sit you down and i will get you some supper returned joan crossly for she was annoyed at her own soft-heartedness i was just going to have a bite and a sup myself for i have been on my feet most of the day and then she unclasped the low door and told him ungraciously to leave his dripping cloak and cap for bridget to dry at the kitchen fire i am very much beholden to you ma'am he returned with a gentleness that contrasted oddly with his wild looks i have been ill and i have not the strength of a child if you had turned me out i should never have reached sandilands
and then he shivered and held out his hand to the pleasant blaze joan's comely face was full of gloom as she bade bridget spread a cloth on the little round table and draw a jug of ale while she broke the eggs and broiled some more ham her heart sank as she thought of the little room under the roof which was always kept ready for a passing guest with its lavender-scented sheets and the patchwork quilt that she had made with her own hands honest english yeomen had slept in that room which was far too clean and spotless for the likes of a bearded mounseer and then she met a pathetic glance from a pair of haggard blue eyes do not turn me away they seemed to say to die like a starving dog in a ditch and then the sight of that empty sleeve filled her again with pity joan said no more until she had finished her preparations when the ham and eggs were done to a turn she bade the man draw up to the table a mighty loaf and a noble wedge of cheese and a brown earthenware jug full of foaming ale filled up the intermediate space joan's dour looks grew more benign as she saw how thoroughly the wholesome viands were appreciated bridget grinned sympathetically as she replenished the earthenware jug sure there's a pool on the kitchen floor from the drippings of the gentleman's coat she said in an aside to her mistress will i be getting the bed ready in the attic and then joan marple nodded you may light your pipe she said presently when the table had been cleared while i jot down some things in my day-book and then the stranger with a grateful look took a smoke-dried meerschaum from his pocket and began filling the bowl with strong fragrant tobacco joan watched him curiously you are uncommonly handy she said approvingly most people would find it awkward to make one hand serve the purpose of two if i may make bold have you been a soldier but the man shook his head no he said speaking in the low subdued voice that seemed natural to him i had my arm crushed in some machinery at the cape and they were forced to amputate it it was just my ill luck and then he went on dreamily as he laid down his pipe on his knee there was a tale my mother used to read to me when i was a kid how often i have recalled it murad the unlucky that was the beggar's name and he had a plaguy hard time of it too but as far as that goes i'm his mate for i have had ill luck enough to swamp two men and then he turned his back and looked gloomily into the fire but joan marple saw him once draw his hand before his eyes there was silence in the snug bar-parlor for a while methuselah curled himself up at the stranger's feet and went to sleep again and the tired traveller drew slow whiffs of his pipe 
and gazed into the red cavernous depths of the fire as though he saw strange things there then joan who had finished her calculations nibbled the end of her pen reflectively and looked at her guest i suppose you were never in these parts before master she asked for joan was as inquisitive as the rest of eve's daughters a faint color rose to the stranger's cadaverous face i have not been for a side of years he said slowly but i used to know it when i was a youngster i was born in london town down poplar way but some of our folk settled in surrey i thought maybe that you were a foreigner returned joan but her tone was civil and even friendly but the man shook his head no mistress i am english to the backbone in spite of the outlandish cut of my cloak there was a spaniard on board and he died of consumption on the way home and as he had no one belonging to him they put up his clothes for auction and that was how i got the cloak and cap but my father was english a regular british tar and my mother was born and bred in london but i have been so long in outlandish parts that i have most forgot my own tongue now mistress if there is a bed handy i'd be thankful to turn in and have a snooze for i have been on the tramp since daybreak and then joan lighted a candle and conducted him herself to the attic under the roof a wet night was succeeded by a fine sunshiny morning and as the strange guest at the hen and chickens sat at his solitary breakfast in the bar parlor a pleasant rustic scene met his eyes joan in her white sunbonnet was feeding her feathered family the little triangular green was crowded by snow-white geese and hens and ducks of every shade and variety attended by the lords of the harem fussy little black bantams pecked the grain fearlessly at her feet while the mossy old horse trough was lined with pigeons a cart horse was patiently waiting for an opportunity to take a drink of the cold clear water and a sow and her brood of pigs had joined the assembly pete's red head shone in the sunlight and a tall young woman in a gray hood walking briskly towards the inn with a covered basket on her arm stood quietly under the elm trees to enjoy the scene joan did not see her until her apron was empty of grain then she nodded to her with a bright smile ah you are there bessie my woman i suppose you have come for some more eggs there's a score or two at your service is it for the vicarage or mrs dunlop or for madam up at the big house and how many may you be wanting well a dozen would serve me joan returned bessie martin in her soft slow drawl 
and at the sound the stranger in the bar-parlour started to his feet as though he had been shot it was mrs catlin who wants them but i am bound that another half-dozen would come handy she has got the professor he arrived unexpectedly last night and she sent me a message by davy to say that their hens would not lay if you will put them up for me joan i will just step back as quickly as possible for ben is a bit dwiny to-day and i have kept him at home miss merrick is looking after him till i get back she is ever ready to do a kindness for a body it was a good thing for you bessie when miss merrick came to fir cottage returned joan confidentially for she has been company for you these fifteen months and prevented you from being so lonesome don't you recollect my lass that it was me who first put it into your head to let the parlor and the bedroom over it and how you would not listen to me at first because you said a lodger would be fussy and give you so much work ay joan but we all make mistakes sometimes and i never set myself up to be cleverer than my neighbors but it was a blessed day for me and the children when miss merrick came under our roof to see us sitting working under the porch when davy and ben have gone to bed you would think we were sisters and the grand things she tells us too they make one feel fairly uplifted but then i must not be gossiping like an old wife who has nothing to do but doze in her chimney corner i have miss merrick's dinner to cook and the ironing besides for as i used to say to will every day has its own work the listener in the bar broke into a low moan as though some sudden pain had seized him and as the two women entered the inn door he slipped out at the back of the bar and stole up to his room joan looked round her in some perplexity well whatever has taken the man she said to herself then aloud we had an odd sort of body here last night a wayfaring man who had lost his arm and looked as though he were just off a bed of sickness and he begged so hard for shelter and supper that i had not the heart to turn him out but i am bound to say he was no tramp in spite of his queer outlandish ways well sit down bessie while i fetch the eggs they are in the outhouse and joan bustled off while bessie went to the open door and watched the old cart-horse now drinking his fill while two fantailed pigeons sat on the edge of the horse-trough and looked on how quiet and still it all was the grass still glittered with dewdrops and in the hollows of the road there were little pools of rainwater there was a faint soughing in the tree-tops and some sparrows and martins 
cheeped and twittered in and out the thatch it is a grand world thought bessie who in her slow way was an idealist if it were not for the wrecks and the drowned men and then in a clear musical voice she sung a verse of her favorite hymn that they had had last sunday safe home safe home in port rent cordage shattered deck torn sail provision short and only not a wreck but oh the joy upon the shore to tell our voyage perils o'er there are your eggs bessie my lass and i have put up a brown twist that bridget has just baked for ben and joan gave the well-packed basket to her cousin bessie's gray eyes lit up with pleasure as she took it thank you kindly joan the little lad will be fine and pleased and then she walked away briskly swinging the basket and humming to herself and joan watched her under her shading hand until she was out of sight another pair of eyes was watching her too and as soon as the bend of the road hid her the stranger came down he wore his cloak and the odd peaked cap was drawn over his forehead as though to disguise as far as possible his ghastly paleness i must be going on my way now mistress he said hastily and must pay my chores if you will be good enough to reckon up what i owe you and then he bent down to pat methuselah who had come out to lie in the sunshine was that your sister mistress the young woman in the gray hood who has just gone down the road nay my good man returned joan smiling at the question for strangers always thought she and bessie were sisters i never had a sister only eight brothers but bessie martin is my cousin once removed the stranger nodded i suppose her husband is a sandylands man he said flicking off the dust from his broken boot no returned joan who dearly loved to gossip about her neighbors will was not born and bred in these parts though he came down to do his courting poor fellow why mistress returned the man in a gruff voice you speak solemn-like as though he were dead and so he is dead replied joan with sudden energy he has been dead these six or seven years if only that soft silly woman would bring herself to believe it his ship struck against a coral reef and not a soul survived but bessie has the craze that he is still alive and refuses to wear black or own herself a widow but there i never argue with her for she only cries and says people are trying to break her heart there's jem fenton continued joan garrulously down at great ditton who farms the land near the folly he would be glad and thankful to marry her any day 
and father her boys but bessie won't listen to anyone it is clearly flying in the face of providence and so i often tell her but she only turns it back on me by asking how a woman was to have two husbands well are you going master good day and better luck to you and then joan marple went back into the inn late that afternoon david and ben were playing in the fir woods at the back of their mother's cottage the firs climbed steeply up the hill and as far as i could see the green solemn glades seemed to stretch indefinitely on either hand with pleasant breaks and spaces of sunlight just behind the cottage there was a clearing which bessie used as her drying ground and where clotheslines dust heaps and cinder mounds all spoke of domestic utility this was the favorite hunting ground of the great black sow and there she and her brood of curly-tailed pigs loved to disport themselves in friendly company with the little brown hen and her chickens and there bessie's sandy cat would sit on the wall gingerly washing her face and looking down at them the boys always used the clearing as their playground there were all sorts of handy articles ready to their hand broken bricks and sardine boxes empty biscuit tins and pickle bottles a cracked plate or two and a little black saucepan without handle or lid once david had found a kettle with a hole through it and had carried it off proudly he was a strangely imaginative boy and the games he taught ben were generally an adaptation of their sunday lesson little mrs dunlop who took the boy's class always regarded david as her model pupil he was so attentive and seemed to drink in every word she would say but she little dreamt that as david sat with his big blue eyes fixed on her face that he really was ransacking his boyish brains to think how he and ben could dramatize fitly the story of joseph in the pit with the ten brethren and the ishmaelites and their camels all demanding to be represented on the present occasion there was less difficulty perhaps that was why it was so often repeated let's play at cain and abel benjy david would say and for some time the joy of building an altar of fir cones and seeking for acorns for cain's offering reconciled ben on the afternoon in question ben had turned restive he was a little out of sorts dwiny as his mother expressed it and nothing suited him the fir cones were slippery from last night's rain and refused to be piled properly and one after another rolled down to be pounced on by the sandy cat who evidently thought this was intended for her amusement 
when david suggested making a brick altar and filling up the interstices with biscuit tins ben only broke into a roar i hate cane and i won't never be able again he burst out with a stamp of his foot and then frightened at his own contumacy and rebellion for until now david's will had been law he roared afresh and set off running up the slippery hill-path as fast as his legs would carry him there retribution overtook him an avenging nemesis in the fearful guise of a mysterious wild man stood like a lion in his path freezing benji's soul with horror and curdling the blood in his veins so that he stood rooted to the spot with his mouth wide open unable to utter a sound the apparition was certainly a little startling in the shadowy light the tall cloaked figure with the odd peaked cap disguising the features looked almost gigantic in ben's childish eyes his terrified brain filled with david's gruesome stories conjured up sudden recollections all equally awe-inspiring and ghastly robinson crusoe the giant fee-fo-fum who loved to sup off little children giant despair and the wild man of the woods who lives with the gorillas until ben's round face was white with fear and he gasped out oh kind man oh please don't kill me i'm only benji and then broke into piteous sobs why whatever ails the youngster exclaimed a rough but decidedly english voice what are you yelling for as though a pack of wolves were at your heels no one is going to hurt you and then a pair of eyes almost as blue as benji's looked kindly in the little lad's face End of section 10